Is uh, is anybody having a drink tonight? Uh, yes. Yes. What do you have? Uh, so I've got Old Forester nineteen twenty, and actually I mixed it with some uh, Alberta Premium, which is like it's a it's a hundred percent rye whiskey, and it's freaking good. Like it's just it's just really good. Is that not like? blasphemous or something to mix whiskeys uh i mean i don't know i don't care the reason only reason why i mix this one because i there's i mixed one last night uh so you can take if anybody that knows bourbon uh you can take weller antique weller 107 and mix it half and half with weller 12 12 year and if you mix it half and half they call that poor man's pappy which pappy like pappy 15 is like the like most famous whiskey in the world, basically. Well, as far as bourbon is concerned, I'm not talking about scotches and all that other stuff, but yeah. So, but it's, but it's basically unobtainable. Like, like yeah. you just, it's almost impossible to get. And so you can take and mix two like $50 whiskeys together. And it's supposed to be as good or better than that. And it actually is really good. And so I had 1920 in a glass and I wanted some more, but, so 1920 is kind of like eating banana bread or drinking banana bread. Like it has like real heavy like banana flavors. And then this Alberta premium has like dark red flutes, fruits and it like the finish on it is like red hots, like that old candy that like the little small candies that you would eat as a kid. Like that's so I was like, that seems like a good combo to put those together and we'll just see what it does. All right, like a nice hot fiery banana cake. I'm yeah. just drinking. Bring I'm just break. drinking bullet. I mixed it with air. Did you? At least like, you didn't like pour a bunch of water or ice in it. Yeah. That would have been dumb. Like a sissy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's Jeremy cooking wings with my favorite substance on earth. Yeah. So Jeff, I'm pretty sure owns stock in this because... <laughs> it's like a guarantee like if he owns stock in it he's gonna spend enough on it that the company's right. gonna stay solvent for as long as he's still alive so i hadn't been done a whole lot of shooting lately i mean it's cold where i'm at and i just it's the off season so i haven't i haven't done much shooting but i do cook and tonight wings were on the menu so i'm gonna give my jeremy's cooking tips of the week and if you want to make some like killer wings all you got to do is go buy you some wings or wingettes or whatever. Douse them in Frank's hot sauce, just the original Frank's hot sauce, which Jeff has pallets of it. He he just drinks it in his coffee in the morning, I'm pretty sure. Love, love that stuff. Douse it in that and then sprinkle some garlic salt over the top of it and then grill them as is. And they're like, like they're the best wings ever. The other tip that I have is we also had corn on the cob. And when you, if you want to have corn on the cob, don't like, don't boil it. Don't do any of that stuff. Buy your corn on the cob with the husk and everything still on it. And right. just put that on the grill with your wings. Like if the husk burns or whatever, like the husk shouldn't like try not to burn it, but the husk can burn or whatever. And it will make the best corn on the cob that you can make. Cause it basically, it steams the corn on the cob inside. So, but it cooks it all the way through, but it stays crispy and it doesn't get like all mushy. Like when you boil it and stuff. Ooh, hot tips hot tips from jeremy's kitchen yep jeremy's backwoods kitchen dude this ain't backwoods i got a pellet grill so it's fancy a pellet grill like one of those electric ones 
Yeah, it's electric. Like you pour in like the little wood pellets and then you turn it on. It's it's almost, it's really more like cooking with an oven than a grill because yeah. you don't have direct heat. Yeah. But it's. That right like, there is a perfect example of why barbecue is terrible in Texas. <laughs> Pellet oven. That's a good grill. That's a good thing you're up there because otherwise it would be a fight. <laughs> I'll meet you in the middle. Okay. I'm down. <laughs> So Oklahoma? No, we'll meet at Bo- we'll, we'll meet at Boober's house. We're not going to Oklahoma. We'll both skip Oklahoma. The problem is I got to go through Oklahoma to get to Boomer's house. It's too bad. That is too bad. But yeah, I love Frank's hot sauce. And I did look it up. Ticker symbol MKC will get you that stock. <laughs> Do you own some? No, I don't own any MKC. You should definitely buy like at least a sh- like just one share. What's a share going for? Ninety-one eighty-seven right now. There you go. Spend a hundred bucks. You'll make money. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Jared shot a match. First one of twenty twenty-one. Correct. Mm, no, second one. I shot an no. outdoor match like the second weekend of twenty twenty-one. Oh, dude, you're already like ripping in twenty twenty-one. Yeah. Training really hard. Everybody uh, else know, is behind. Practicing like six hours a day. Wow. No, actually, I I just got bullets. I hadn't been shooting because I just got bullets on Friday that I ordered in September. I was I was down to you ordered one in of September. The, I was down to one of the small boxes. They come inside of the cases of blue bullets, so it was like thirteen hundred bullets was what I was down to. Yeah. So how long did that that took you? What? Did you order like early September or? Pretty sure the order went in the first week of September. Okay. So what's that? It's like four months. Four and a half months. Jeez. Oh. Okay. So people, if you need bullets or you're going to need bullets this year, better get them ordered. Yeah. Think ahead. Like, yeah. If you're shooting low cap nationals and you want them before nationals. Probably too late. Probably too we, late. <laughs> we have like three and a half months until nationals now, right? It's four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. So how'd the match go? Did you like like hurt feelings, slay and like uh, I'm I'm pretty sure nobody takes too much uh, importance on a four stage indoor match. But I was happy. I shot quite well. Uh good points. Not really not really any issues. Uh, most of the reloads went pretty well. Transitions were good. Uh I was shooting my new shadow two, the optic ready ones, but with uh the iron sight plate on it. Yeah. It went well. felt good. It, it felt like how I would expect to shoot in the middle of the season. So definitely a good starting point for the year. So have you been like dry firing? Just a little bit. Uh, just the basics. Uh, basically, I've just been focused on reloads in my dry fire mostly because that's an area that I've struggled loading the production gun. Hmm. Okay. And you just felt awesome right out of the gate. I did. Oh, good. That's excellent. Looked at a target, the gun showed up there, but shoot two alphas, except when I would drag it off a little early and shoot that delta on a couple of targets. Mm, good, healthy delta. Well, that's awesome. I don't think that would be the case for me if I went and shot right now. You seem like you're going to be very prepared for production nationals. Did you even register yet? I have not registered yet. I don't, I don't know if I'm going. I can't decide. How can you not go to nationals in the only division you're shooting? I was just thinking about shooting other matches this year. Going to Colorado in June. Are you going to Bighorn? Yeah. Are we all shooting together at Bighorn? 
I think so. Well, no. Jeremy's I'm, with the cool I'm kids. Mm. I'm shooting with my friends. Yeah, I think the yeah, I think the rest you, of us are shooting together. <laughs> you're you're shooting with your friends, and we're shooting with all of our friends. Exactly. Yes, I'm shooting with the people who I don't worry. I heard the podcast last week. <laughs> I'm shooting the people who like me. <laughs> hey, that's only but, that's only because we didn't invite them on to talk shit about you. They they just don't have a podcast where they can be vocal about it. That's all that is. That's probably true. <laughs> But yeah, that'll that'll be probably not my first match. I think I'll probably shoot the Ozarks match again because it's so close. And uh, if you know, not if it's freezing and snowing, I'm not I'm not doing that again. It's it's a fifty fifty shot. Either that match is going to be miserable, like thirty degrees and snowing yeah. or raining or something. Yeah, or it'll be a beautiful spring day and like seventy five degrees. There'll be like yeah. no, it won't just be like, oh, this is okay. It'll either be nice or terrible. Yeah. When is Ozarks? Uh, like March twentieth or twenty seventh or something. Yeah, it's pretty early. Yeah, I need a match before nationals. Maybe. Well, maybe come on, that'll up. be one. Yeah, you should shoot it. Where is it at? Basically, Springfield, Missouri. It's in Billings, right? Mm-hmm. Billings, Missouri. Is, is that right? Is that yeah. still considered the Ozarks? Yes. Huh. I kind of thought Ozarks was really mostly just in Arkansas. The Lake of the Ozarks is in Missouri. Thank you very much. Ozark, Missouri. There's lots of Ozarks in Missouri. I I have to apologize. Like we didn't study like lesser states like Missouri growing up, so I don't really know much about missouri god you probably get really confused when you gotta fly somewhere you're like let's see i need to this match is like right on the like pa ohio line so like which state should i fly into you're like you know i i think uh california is pretty close to there right <laughs> it's yeah if it's not texas then who cares Jeez. no i know i know texas and i know everything between texas and montana and then like colorado like i know all that stuff but Otherwise, no, I don't really know what what there is. If there's not like good fly fishing there, then I don't know what it is. Right. There's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of fly fishing in in Missouri. I mean, you can fly fish for anything, but there's not like a lot of trout fishing in Missouri. I think all the trout fishing in Missouri is all stock stuff. Probably, like in uh, the White River in Arkansas. It's like the northwest corner of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's got world famous trout fishing, but it's basically so it's called a tailwater. So it's there's a big lake there. I can't remember the name of the lake. Big lake there. And then the dam, the water at the bottom of the dam is super cold. And so for like 10 miles below the dam, trout can survive there. Because when they release the water, it, it ter- takes makes the water temperature super cold. And so trout, trout will live for like a, you know, within 10 miles or something like that of the dam. So there might be something like that in Missouri. But I'm just not familiar well, with it. Only thing I'm familiar with is uh, Bennett Springs. And it's... Uh, I think it's stocked, but it's like a breeding population or whatever, because it's, yeah. it's spring water, so it's cold. Yeah. Well, I've never actually been there. I don't even know exactly where it is. Somewhere down south. It's in Missouri. I might come to Missouri to play golf this year. Where are you going? Uh, it's called Payne's Valley. I'm pretty sure that's in Missouri, and it's it's uh Tiger it's a Tiger Woods new course. It's actually the first course that he's designed that's a public course. It's on uh isn't Bass Pro Shops headquarters in Missouri? Mm-hmm. So like they own like a big chunk of land and they've got quite a few like you can stay like like they've got big like 
places you big hotel and stuff you can stay there and they've got several golf courses on the property and their latest one was uh tiger woods design and it just looks freaking awesome so are you just gonna like take a trip there by yourself or you got some golfing buddies uh if i go I'd t- i might go with my brother my brother plays golf mm. Well, I'm going to assume since you're talking about Bass Pro stuff, it's probably close to Springfield. You might be able to pair that with the Billings match. Oh, that actually wouldn't, that wouldn't be a bad idea. If I could, yeah, that would actually be pretty cool. I need to check that out. That's kind of one of my favorite way to do matches and stuff is uh, like pick matches that have something that like you can do alongside it. Like, so a lot of times, like I would pick a match that then we could go fly fishing like the day after the match and stuff like that kind of a cool way to make make traveling to matches worthwhile as far as fitting vacation in and stuff like that what do you mean vacation uh i don't know so Uh, it's in hollister hollister missouri yeah that's down around springfield oh yeah Yeah. the the ozarks match it's it's usually a good match uh sometimes the weather sucks and it's it's pretty young match like this will be what the third or fourth year fourth year Third, fourth, fourth, I think. Yeah. Um, sometimes they have some issues uh, getting enough people to work it, stuff like that. But I think everything went pretty good last year. Isn't last year the year that it was like 35 and raining? That was the year before. It was like, was it? It was like 40 and raining last year. Was it? But the sun came out in the afternoon, I think. Hmm. Well, it yeah, wasn't too I'll, bad. I'll probably shoot it just because it's... It's early, and it's a decent match, and I know a lot of people that shoot it. So, Billings is only like uh, seven hours and forty-five minutes from me. Yeah, I think it's only like—I don't think it's quite five hours for me. Or hey, I got to go through Oklahoma City to get there. Hey, you can you can ride me there. I could pick up Jeff, but Jeff wouldn't share any of his stage plans with me, so I don't think I will pick up Jeff. He can hitchhike him. <laughs> Find his own way. <laughs> yes, a good topic. All right, let's dive into this. I wish Jason were here, but he's not. So, JJ, Mr. JJ Ricasa put up a post this week about stage plans and how he's not going to discuss, basically said he wasn't going to discuss stage plans, right? Someone want to pull that up so we can read it exactly so we're not paraphrasing? No, I think we should paraphrase it and get the words all twisted up. But yeah, it basically said uh, stage design or stage uh, planning is a skill, a skill that should be tested. Hold on, hold on. He started He started the post out by saying, if I'm going to fight somebody, I'm not going to tell them if I'm using my hands or my feet. It's just going to be a surprise and they're going to get kicked in the face or punched in the face or whatever they get. Is that what it said? <laughs> Well, he didn't say kick in the face. I don't remember that part. (laughs) He said, if I was going to get in a fight, I'm not going to tell him if I'm going to use my hands or my feet. And then he used that as an analogy that if I'm competing against somebody, I'm not going to discuss my stage plan with them because it's going to be a surprise to them whenever I kick their butts. That's that's paraphrase, but that's I think that's a fairly fair assessment. I'll read it. I've got it up right here. It says this is this is a post by J.J. Ricasa this week. If you or I are ever in a fight, I'd hope to never give you hints of what I'm about to throw, hands or feet. In a match, I also don't really like to share my stage plans to people I am competing against. It's the same basic idea to me. It's called strategy. 
Same goes, I'll never ask the other person unless I'm working, in quotation marks, working with you. So I guess like a teammate or something or working with you to beat someone else. Like if he's coached somebody, like if somebody's paid for a class or they're they're paying for instruction. That's that was my that was my assumption of what that meant. Yeah. So we were discussing this this week in uh, our messaging during the week about this post. And we had some some differing opinions on it. What do you think about it, Jeff? Believe it or not. I actually kind of like it. Um, I agree. I tend to agree that stage planning is a skill. And I probably lean this way just because I generally don't discuss stage plans a lot anyway. Uh, Like, you know, sometimes, or I'll discuss like small pieces of stages, but I don't, I don't really like ask people, all right, tell me your whole stage plan, Uh, that kind of deal. But I, I, I like the idea that it is a skill that needs to be tested. Some people are good at it. Some people aren't. Even if I'm a really good shooter, you know, maybe I'm not the best stage planner and someone else can get the leg up on me that way. It just seems kind of strange to me that everybody would like share and shoot the same same stage plan when that could be a way you could be uh, separating yourself from the competition. But at the same time, this is a sport where once somebody shoots, you like the more people that you get to watch shoot, like the better idea you have of what's going to work good. So I can also see how it would not be a good idea. And you like you might as well just share it all because the more people you watch shoot, the more advantage you have. But then you go throughout the match and, you know, the order changes. So it might all even out then. But for the most part, I tend to agree with JJ on this one. So I would personally, if, if someone asked me, I'll... I'll- I'll share, you know, especially if you get some stages super complicated and someone's like, hey, what's the play on this or something? Be like, well, this is what I'm thinking. And specifically, if it's someone I know or I'm friends with, like, I'll gladly discuss it because they might have an idea I didn't think of or I might have an idea they didn't think of. But I would say posting it publicly like that, that you aren't going to talk about it just seems kind of, I don't know, rude. Maybe that was the point. Maybe he was wanting to be rude. But I mean, if you just if you don't want to talk about your stage plan, if someone comes up and asks you, just be like, "Some you don't have time to to talk about it, or you're you're preparing for the next stage, or something like." Make an excuse. I just feel like making a public post like that kind of seems dumb. Yeah, I do think it is a little a little strange, and I'm not going to be rude to people. Like if someone comes up and, and asks me, I will share knowledge information. And, you know, you're you're welcome to refuse it to me if I ask, but I do. I, well, I tend to agree. I'm not going to ask somebody I don't know. Like yeah, if, that's true. If, if I'm shooting a match with Jeremy, we're, we're, we might discuss the stage like, hey, what do you think about this way? Or, you know, hey, does this seem dumb or something? But I'm not going to go up to some random shooter I don't know and be like, hey, how are you shooting the stage? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Because at L10 Nationals, I don't think I discussed like any stage plans at all with anybody. Not uh, even Jeremy? <clears throat> I didn't shoot L10 with Jeremy. I shot L10 with nobody I knew. And I don't think I talked to a single one of them about a stage plan. I mean, you shot all the exact same stages the day before, so. Yeah, but I don't know that they did. Yeah, well, I mean, I just meant like 
like you didn't necessarily have to there wasn't a whole lot of figuring out you pretty well knew how you're going to shoot most everything by l10 yeah most, what are your, most mostly what are your thoughts jeremy will you discuss your stage plans or are you keeping them secret so that you can crush jeff i mean i can address the post first which i mean i like jj like i mean we get along fine i don't we'll interact on at matches and stuff and jj's cool i'm not so sure like like fighting is necessarily the best analogy for our sport. I don't know. Maybe some maybe some people like they need that mentality because that mentality gives them an edge or something. I don't know. But like I don't feel like punching somebody in the face is like the equivalent of what we're doing. Maybe I guess maybe it is that if you're if you're if you're JJ. I don't know. But I as far as like like Jared's question, like if somebody asks you, like I cannot imagine like somebody coming up to me, like say, Hey, what do you think about because usually it's usually Jeff's right. Like usually you're not like somebody's not coming to ask you. Somebody's usually not coming up and asking you, "Hey, what's your plan for this whole stage?" Right? It's more like, "Hey, what do you think about like this position, like shooting at the targets in this this order or this order, or maybe going left or right first? Which you know, it's normally not like going through the whole deal. I can't imagine like if somebody came and asked me that, me just like staring them down and like. <laughs> like are you serious right now are you like are you serious? just like ignoring them or like or or i can't imagine doing that just like ignoring them or or like giving them like like just lying to them and i'm giving them like a false plan i can't really imagine doing that and part of it because when you're doing your walkthroughs unless you're gonna walk do a fake walkthrough like anybody that's kind of curious that's shooting on your squad is curious what you're doing they're gonna see what you do based on your walkthrough. If you're doing something that's completely contrary to the rest of the squad, they're going to see, oh, you're going a different direction. So like that doesn't necessarily keep things super secret in that way. No, and you know, what you mentioned there too, like someone asking like about a piece of it, like generally speaking, if it's, if I'm being asked about a stage, like outside of when I'm shooting with my friends at a match and we're discussing the stages, a lot of times it'll be like a newer shooter or something and they see you do they, they see you walking it somewhere and they'll be like, Hey, why are you doing it that way? Which I don't mind because they're they're asking for the why. Like they've already seen what you're doing. Yeah. So they're curious on you know, it's like, hey, how come you're going left first instead of right when when right looks like the obvious way to go on this or something? Yeah. Yeah. And that's because they want to learn. Yeah, and I like I think that's I think for most people, maybe J- JJ could be a dissection, right? Like, it's, I mean, it's tough to, it's tough for somebody who is, who is a JJ Rakaza, who's the elite, he's the best of the best in the sport. And for him to, to make a rule like that, like, Hey, I don't share my stage planning. And then for, if other people think, well, I shouldn't share my stage plans. That may not be true for you because if you're not going to be willing to share your stage plan, like it's certainly completely unfair to, for you to, discuss like ask anybody else what their stage plan is i think that would be completely that would be like i don't know like that would be you'd be worthless if you did that but it's a i think it's a maybe a bad assumption that you are the best at breaking down stages on every stage and so that you have nothing to learn from anybody else and i i I think it's it you know there's at any point where you get to where I think you think you know everything, like and you're you're the smartest person there, that might not be the best attitude to take in this sport. I think there's a lot you leave yourself a lot of room to miss something when it's just your eyes. Cause at least from personal experience, I know that there's a lot of times when somebody goes through a stage or I go through a stage 
and I kind of see a plan and I almost get tunnel vision on that plan and I don't see other options. Like even though I try to look for other options, I kind of had my tunnel. I kind of saw my plan. Maybe, maybe I'm just terrible at stage planning. That's fine. But then you see somebody else do something. It's like, maybe, maybe I should pay attention to what they're doing and learn. Christian Saylor actually has, I think, the best approach on this because Christian Saylor will go like in the days before like nationals and stuff, he'll go up to almost anybody. Like if he sees somebody walking a, a stage and stuff, like, hey, what are you like, what are you thinking about on this stage? And he will listen to almost anybody as far as what their plan is because he's open to learn, like, hey, maybe I'll learn something new or different than what I'm doing. I mean, he was shooting open. I was shooting limited at this last nationals. And I mean, he even came up to me and asked like what I was doing on a, like a memory stage. Like what's your, what's your plan on this? Uh, I guess I, I mean, I wouldn't, obviously I'm not directly competing with him limited versus open, but. You helped him win that match. We know it now. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, Christian was first and somebody else wasn't. Maybe, maybe that was part of it. That was, that was the key. But, you know, even discussing that further, like I'd say, generally speaking, like if I'm someone, if I'm asking something about a stage plan to somebody I don't know really well, it might be like the squad just finished up on the stage and we're walking up to it and it has an activator sequence. It's like, hey, is that is that swinger slow enough that I can take this other steel? Or can I can I get the is there time to get this paper before that swinger's out or something like that? I don't know. I mean, I would think most people are going to share with you because unless you're the first shooter you're gonna know it's just more like hey was there did you have time to take all this or did you only take one or or something yeah i don't know like i said i think i think more so i don't think i don't really have an issue with not sharing if that's the way you want to be i just think it's really dumb to make a post like that yeah i agree i mean i mean the best example i have of this is you know jeff and i area three in 2020 uh, I mean, we were competing directly head to head. We were on the same squad. The scores were very close uh, throughout the whole match. And yeah, we were we were still back there discussing stage plans together. And it and we were shooting. We often shot different plans. Like there, yeah. it was often we often did not shoot the same plan. It was actually pretty rare that we shot the same plan. But we were still back there talking to each other, discussing with each other, like, "Hey, what are you doing?" It's like, "Okay, yeah, Jeff's kind of dumb, and he's going to do something dumb." Like that's that's fine. That's just Jeff. Uh, and then you, right. then you go and do the smart plan, and then he cheats and he beats you, but it's because he's a cheater. <laughs> he used all the tools at his disposal to he achieve did. victory. He did. And some people can sleep at night, you know, doing that. And some people want to win, and they want to know that they earned it. Like that's that's fine. But I I do think there's I do think that's what is cool about this sport is that. Yeah, I absolutely, if I'm competing against Jeff, which, I mean, he, he's got scared and he ran away, so he won't shoot in single stack anymore. But if I'm competing against Jeff, yeah, I want to crush him, like, in the overall scores. But at the same time, I'm not actually, like, like I can't, I'm not competing directly. It's not like tennis, right, or basketball. Or, like, it's not like you have the opponent across the net that you're actually directly affecting them. Yeah you're competing against yourself really. And so I, I think that's what's cool about our sport is that you can be you can be friends and with your direct competitors and it like there's a there's just a, a cooler relationship in that than I just want to crush everybody and I, I don't want to talk to anybody. Or I don't want to discuss anything with everybody. I think there's a camaraderie that's available in this sport that's 
that's kind mm. of makes this sport kind of unique to other sports. Yeah. Well, it's like when you're shooting head to head with Jeff, his gun has a malfunction. You're not back there going, yeah, his gun just messed up. I've got him now. You're more like, oh man, like you want to beat him on shooting. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess that's kind of my point is that, yes, I want to crush all of my friends. And when we're shooting any, anybody's friend, yes, I want to beat you. Like I don't, I'm as hyper competitive, I think as almost anybody, but at the same time, I still want them to shoot a really good match. Just not as good as you. Well, I want to shoot them their best match and I want my best to just be better. I mean, like that's, I hope that I'm just better. I don't know. That's kind of, that's kind of my thoughts on it. I I think that's a, I don't necessarily like that take that, Hey, I'm I'm just going to keep everything to myself and I'm going to use that as an edge. I but, guess you can do that. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily want to go that route. Yeah, everybody's a little different. I mean, I know I won't be sharing any plans with Jeff anytime soon. <laughs> oh, Jeff's in my division now. I won't talk to him anymore. Yeah, I'm not even like like we were talking about that match, that Ozarks match. It's like I could pick up Jeff on the way. Nope, not gonna happen. He can drive up himself. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna tell him how I'm gonna shoot any of the stages. I don't even know if I want to squad with Jeff anymore. He can take his bald cue ball head, some other squad. <laughs> All right. Y'all done? Are you done? <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Now. I do not disagree with y'all on most of those points. I just like the idea that stage planning is another skill set that you can be better at and possibly get a leg up on your competition with. But also, like- what? I said, of course, Lex Luthor over here would be like, yeah, I'm all for any advantage that I can gain on my opponents. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. and But then also something Jeremy said that, but like not thinking that, uh, I can't remember how you said it, but like basically saying, how can you think that you possibly have the best stage plan over everybody else at the match, right? Like how how can you be that arrogant or whatever? I also think like you almost need that arrogance though, because you need to be super confident in your stage plan. You know, uh, I don't know. I, I can go almost any way on this argument, but I like the idea that uh, that stage planning is a skill that you be that you can be better than everybody else at uh, if you work hard at it, and you, you know you take more information in, you get a better result. That being said, I'm not going to turn people down if they want to talk about a stage plan. I will double plug during walkthroughs because I don't want to hear a bunch of people talking about stage plans because some people just like to talk really loud about stage plans or come and try to track you down and tell you what you're doing stupid during his walkthrough. Again, double plug, block them out. Tell them to shut up. <laughs> I don't know what okay. you're talking about. Okay. okay, I'm done. Imagine that Jeff doesn't actually take a stance on anything. He kind of just <laughs> rides the fence. He should be a politician. He he actually would be a great politician. He's quite cro- oh. we can tell that he's quite crooked enough. He's willing to do whatever it takes to beat his opponents. So mm-hmm. he would be a great politician. Mm. I mean, I do like to win. You know, if you but, hurry up and you get in the Oval Office, you can pardon your Uncle Joe. Oh, that's right. He didn't get that pardon. Man, Sad I was I'm so disappointed about that. that. Was Trump would have gone down as the greatest president ever if he had pardoned Joe? We're talking about Joe Exotic here for anybody who's hadn't caught that yeah he didn't get that tiger king he had that big old dodge truck limo on standby just waiting to pick him up man sad day 
That is, that actually is sad. But yeah, I just want to put it out there. All that being said, like if you come and talk to me about a stage, I'm not going to try to like feed you bullshit so that you do terrible on a match or I'm not going to play stupid and so be be like, oh yeah, I don't know, man. Don't know. Don't know. Um, I, I will discuss aspects of stages or, or whatever. I'm not, I'm not taking a stance as like, yes, I agree with JJ and I will not discuss it. I'm not going to do that, but I don't disagree with JJ either. So, so there. All right. So Jeff has, uh, Jeff has a diary uh, and he's going to tell yep. us about his diary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've started training a little bit, not live fire, but dry fire. And so I created this Excel log. It's pretty good for me. I'm not an Excel genie, but it's pretty good for me. And so what it has is it has all my workouts in it. It has my dry fire in it. It has a place to keep notes on the dry fire in it. And I'm also tracking my body transformation challenge information in this log sheet. So I got like my calories, my weight. And then I also have two additional fields at the end where I can gauge how hungry I am because I'm eating in a calorie deficit. And then the last one is motivation. So I'm rating my motivation before I start practicing, like how how motivated am I feeling? And I don't know what I'm going to use that information for, but I may use it to uh, like take a week or two off mid-season. Like if that number gets super low, I'm like, all right, well, let's take a week off, see if we can get remotivated. So yeah, I'm I'm tracking a lot of metrics here on this, on this Excel sheet and I'm pretty excited about it. One of the things that I am really liking, which I've not done this before and I really like it is journaling about dry fire. And it'll probably extend it to journaling about live fire as well. But how it is helpful is so you write it in after you finish your dry fire. And, you know, usually for me, when I finish a dry fire session, there's something or a couple of things that are really sticking out to me. Like they might click during the practice. And this happens every time. It's like, okay, yeah. And I re-remember things, right? So it's like, oh yeah, I remember I was doing that last time, but it took me 10 minutes of dry fire to re-remember it from the last dry fire session. So I write those things down and then I can read those and think about them before I even start. So what I think it does, I think it's helping me accelerate my uh, dry fire progress. It's like I'm I'm not taking a step back each dry fire. So it's like two steps forward, one step back kind of deal. I think it's getting me closer to just being like a step forward or two steps forward every session. If I can start the session out already remembering what I did in the last session or what was clicking or working or what I had a revelation about or whatever. So that's something I'm experimenting with and I'm really liking it so far is just taking those notes at the end of the session and then reading it before I start the next session. Pretty cool. How long have you been doing it? Uh, I'm about to finish my second week, second week of doing it. So like, can you give us like an example of like what you would write down? Like as far as like your thoughts on your dry fire, like what would that, what does that look like? Okay. So the thing I've been focusing on lately is uh, cues. And this is something that's kind of started clicking for me last year was uh, performing under pressure. 
So I've, I've always struggled to perform under pressure. And I started, started figuring it out last year was that you got to have your technique down is what I was telling myself. That's, that's kind of what I called it. I was like, okay, well, you got to know your technique uh, if you want to perform under pressure because you got you to gotta know what to focus on because you want to just focus on going fast when you're under pressure. But if you know your technique, then that's what you focus on. And that's how you like ensure success basically is, but you have to know your technique. So like, I got to know how I hold the gun. I got to know where I'm going to look. I got to know what the feel is I'm going for. So I started focusing on those little things. And then I was reading uh, match mentality and basically uh, Ben and Joel call those cues, right? They call those things that you focus on in your technique uh, that help you to get it right every time your cues. So it, it was kind of like my own little theory and and what they called it kind of meshing together. So that's what I've been writing down. Uh, like I'll, I'll dry fire and I'll be focusing on these cues and like kind of uh, realizing how these cues sort of change. So it's like first I was like, all right, I'm just going to look inside the magwell on, on the reload. That's what I want to focus on to make sure I hit the reload. Well, then it kind of like evolved where I'm focusing on like a specific little part of the magwell. So yeah, that's just what I'm writing down. Anything that changes in my cues or my technique, like if my grip position shifts a little bit, or if I don't like how it feels, if my hand goes up super high on the draw, anything that changes in those cues or technique, I write down. And then I start my next session by doing those like super slow motion, pretty much doing them super slow, make sure I'm hitting them, getting the feel before I ramp up and go a little faster and keep keep that technique going, keep those cues going. And then I just redocument how I'm feeling. And if I'm going to add variations of draws or add variations, or if I'm going to progress in my dry fire that week, or if I'm going to add time to my dry fire. Yeah, it's just been a really great way to document everything in my dry fire. This is, you haven't ever done this before? No, not to this extent. I think maybe last year for, I think maybe a week, I wrote stuff down, but it it was more of the like unicorns and rainbows kind of deal, like how I was feeling confidence wise or whatever. It was, it wasn't really. Can you give us an example? Can you tell us like an example of an entry? Huh? Yes. 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 Um, th- yeah, it was just wasn't really technique stuff that I was writing down. It was just like, I guess, more confidence and feel that I was writing down. Interesting. I mean, it'll be kind of interesting to see how that evolves, like if you sustain it and what gains you feel that you get from that and that sort of thing. Uh, it'll be kind of interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. So every morning I get up and I come in here and I get on the computer for 20, 20 to 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, I check emails and I, I fill out this this sheet and I go over like the past previous few days worth of notes, kind of get get my mind into the the position it needs to be to start the dry fire. And I don't even dry fire for that long right now. I'm up to like 15 minutes. I mean, I think if anything, I mean, the good thing that it should do for you is just be an accountability thing. Like it, like I don't, I, I have tried kind of the journaling deal in the past, not, not the manner that you're doing it right now, but I just struggled to like maintain it. Like it just, it wasn't something I could, I could just sustain, but like, I do know, like 
like when I'm doing workout stuff, like if I have like a, a sheet where I'm like marking down like the exercises that I've done for that day. And like, I have like a goal number for like for the week, I want to do like this many push-ups, this many pull-ups or something like that. Like needing to put those marks down, like needing to earn that number and stuff, like keeps me motivated to like make sure that I do it. It's just like, I want to be able to put those marks down. <laughs> it's like, I need to have those marks right. by the end of the week. Uh, yeah. And so yeah. I could definitely see it just from a, a continuity standpoint making sure that like it it's like man i need to get this entry in for dry fire day but i haven't dry fired yet so i need to make sure i do that i can see it doing yeah. that the other thing i think it it might could do which you hadn't talked about yet but it may do a really good job of making sure that you don't that you stay versatile with your dry fire because you may look down in like the last three days you've based on your cues or whatever you've done like the exact same draws and exact same reloads for the last three days. Like, yeah, maybe I need to change it up, work some strong hands some weekend, some reloading while I'm backing up or something like that, you know, that, that maybe you hadn't been doing just so that you can kind of make sure you're hitting all of the different facets of it and not getting just tunnel vision on one, one issue. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, some days it's just like one sentence, like nothing crazy happened. Uh, didn't nothing great, and then some days it's you know a paragraph. So, uh, any chances we can get this like daily uploaded to the podcast Facebook page? No, no, it's my secret sauce. My secret yeah. sauce. You're, you're one do, of those. Let's do daily daily dry fire sessions with Jeff. Yeah, I think we should be great. The Dude, listeners I, want it, if, Jeff. Yeah, I would do live dry fire, but I don't really have a place to do it. Just do it wherever yeah. you dry fire. Do it at the office. Yeah, at the office. That'd be good. Your office allows guns, right? No, they don't. Um, one more thing that makes it, like you were saying, that like, keeps you accountable is like when I complete the dry fire, like I have a, a little field that says 10, 15 minutes dry fire, draw reloads, whatever it's supposed to be. And when I completed it, I turn that field green, right? And if I don't complete mm-hmm. it for the day, then I turn it red. So it's just another way to like kind of make it sting if you don't get it done. If you don't do it, turn it red. No, it's just it's just another method I'm using. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see that being like a motivator. Like, hey, I, I want this. Like, I want to look back on the year and I want it to be just a solid column of green. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I like it. I am uh, I'm excited about it because it looks cool. Just like because I look ahead, like next week, like everything's empty, right? The whole the fields are all empty, and I look back and there's like from last week, and there's like all this good data that I have accumulated from myself, my training, how I was feeling all week, uh, what I accomplished. It's, it's just like good data to go off of. It's good stuff, man. I'm telling you. I don't, I, don't think I, I don't think the world is ready for the whirlwind of emotions that are what Jeff is feeling throughout the week. Oh, yeah, it's severe. There's a lot wrong with this person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you probably shouldn't share that. Somebody might come take your guns away. Yeah, they might. They might. Sasquatch, do you, are you a big journaler? No. I attempted to keep one for dry fire and just more so when I did, it was just like, this is what I did. This is how long I did whatever. I found it to be a waste of time for me. 
it might be great for other people, but for me, I didn't find it that useful. Yeah, I think for me, it probably what would be more beneficial is if at the beginning of the week, I made a plan for every day of dry fire, like say I'm going, like I've got these three things I'm working on dry fire this day. Then on Monday and then on Tuesday, I've got these three things and Wednesday I've got, I think, I think for me, it might be more beneficial if I was proactive in it and making a plan rather than reactive and talking about it after it was done. For me, that might be a little bit more beneficial. Yeah. But if you were journaling, then you would have data. You'd have, you'd have data of like how it went that week. So you would know better how to plan the next week. Possibly. I mean, the challenge of that is, is that you you spend the time, whatever time you spend doing it, which maybe it's not very much time at all. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. And then at some point, like you're just putting, you're just writing stuff. At least like the, when I've tried to do it in the past, at some point you get to where you're like, you're just writing stuff down and you're basically never going back and revisiting it. So it's for me, like it just became, it's just like, I'm just writing it down just to write it down. And it like the data and all that stuff didn't actually there was no influence from it later. Right. Yeah. And so like that, to me, that's, that's kind of the challenge of it is that you have to make sure that you're, if you're going to do it, you kind of have to go back and revisit it in order for that to be beneficial for you. Possibly. And I, and I do think, I, I think a little bit is, I mean, your dry, yeah, your dry fire is every day, but your live fire is, is even in the season, like even leading up to big matches is spread out, right? Like it's, it's, you know, twice a week, maybe three times a week. Whereas where I ran into is, I mean, like leading up to a big match, I might shoot six out of seven days for two or three weeks leading up to a big match. And it was just like the, the whole journaling thing and then trying to reread it. So, like it was just, I just didn't have extra time for it. It's like, so it, it kind of just got thrown and cast aside uh, kind of in that, that kind of setting. So Yeah. Yeah. I could see that if you're, doing that much yeah but i i think it'll be good for you you're you you like to be kind of introspective i'm liking it so far yeah i'm liking it so far but we'll see i'm only i've only got two weeks of it under my belt but other thing is like for this like 12 week uh workout transformation deal that i'm doing so i have to get in here to fill that out uh so i just kind of do it at the same time so hopefully i can at least stick with it for 12 weeks. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. It'd be a good case study for you to see if it's something that you need to, you know, do all year. or Maybe it's just do it for parts of the year or whatever. Yeah. I personally like my competition wasting his time writing stuff down and looking at it on his computer screen to feel good about it. <laughs> good, good. Reading about his emotions from the day before. Yes. Oh, I hit this one reload. And it was just like, it just was effortless and it made me feel like I was floating in the clouds. <laughs> and then the next one, I jammed it and it hurt my finger and I felt oh, like God. a little baby that was crying and it was just, I thought the world was over. I felt like the dinosaurs when the volcano went off. It was so bad. That's what I imagine is in Jeff's journal every day. <laughs> I bet that's exactly what's in his journal. That's why he's laughing because he knows that's what he wrote today. <laughs> he's like, how did you get it? Like... Why are you reading it word for word? Yeah. I don't know how you keep doing that. I even had his exact same voice too. <laughs> so oh, part of this 12 weeks deal, Jeff, you uh, you cut out caffeine, right? Oh, yeah. We can hit on that before we pinch this one off. Yeah. So 
two, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I decided for various reasons that I was going to give up caffeine. And my caffeine consum- consumption for the past, I didn't really start using it a lot until after college. So like when I had long commutes to work and then I was driving a lot for work and then just being in an office, there's just like coffee available all the time. So yeah, since about 2012, I have probably consumed an insane amount of caffeine. Insane. But my, my like a normal day in 2020, I would consume over 500 milligrams easy. So I, I would like get up, take some pre-workout, work out, go to work, drink like three cups of coffee. And then in the afternoon, I would drink like a couple Mountain Dews. Uh, so that was my like normal day. How much, how many milligrams of caffeine's in a normal cup of, like a regular cup of coffee? It it varies. I think it's like 80 to 120. I think it can be something like that. Okay. Yeah. Probably about 600 milligrams a day. Yeah. So I've had a lot of caffeine since 2012, pretty much every day. So for the past eight years. And so this year I decided, uh, I was like, all right, well, I don't, I don't really feel like caffeine has ever like increased my ability or made me feel awesome or productive. It's just in everything I like to drink pretty much. So I'm going to give it up. So I did that. And about the third day, I think. Yeah. So on that Monday, it was like the first week in in, uh, January, that Monday morning, I had a cup of coffee and then that was the last one. So Thursday came up. I didn't notice a whole lot until Thursday. Thursday, I left work early. Like I left work at like one o'clock. I went home. I thought I was sick, man. And I sat in the recliner all weekend from like Thursday to Sunday. I couldn't do anything, dude. I hurt so bad. My whole body just hurt. And then as like the weekend went on, it, it faded. Like it started my whole body. I couldn't stand up for very long. I could only stand up for like 30 minutes or something. And then it would just hurt so bad. I was like, oh God, I gotta go lay down. So I'll go, I'll go sit back in the recliner. And then, you know, by Sunday, it was just my feet that hurt. But it was like whole body severe aches. It was bad. I had no idea that caffeine, I was that addicted to caffeine. I was severely addicted apparently. But yeah, I never really felt like caffeine... Like I never had a caffeine uh, kick, I guess. It was just, I just drank a lot of it. Well, yeah. I mean, like it, it stops being effective whenever your body is used to having it just as in your bloodstream as a normal part of your diet. Right. So apparently I'd never been like three days without caffeine for the last eight years because, (laughs) because I had never felt like that until. 2021. It was insane. I I was addicted, guys. I was addicted to a drug, caffeine. So have crazy. you had like massive cravings for like coffee and, and Mountain Dew and stuff? For those things, yes. For coffee and Mountain Dew, because I love coffee and Mountain Dew. If I have like high beat grocery delivery to your house of like cases of Mountain Dew. No, I, I'm pretty strong willed. 
my wife still makes coffee every weekend. No, I just drink tea. So okay, so okay, now I now I, I'm thinking I do I am gonna ride with Jeff to the Ozarks match and I'm gonna have like the ice chest full of Diet Mountain Dews and stuff. Like I'll crack <laughs> one like before like right before the match like when he's stressed and he's like, Oh, I just want a diet too. I just want doesn't, one. Doesn't tea have caffeine in it? It does. I drink like herbal tea. Not like actual tea. <laughs> Sounds like some hippie shit. Good <laughs> gosh. Well, it's it's something hot to drink that satisfies a craving. What essential oil do you put in that to make you feel better? Lavender. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's also not joking. Like <laughs> I that that's what's funny. Is that he probably does. Oh god. I'm not even gonna answer that. I'm just gonna let you hang on that. Well, that seems like the spot to pinch it off right there. It does. Yeah, that's the spot. Anyway, you should quit caffeine if you drink as much as I did. Except it's hell for about three days. Like, really bad. It sucked. I have never, but that, like, drinking caffeine on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if I stopped drinking coffee, then I would probably, like, throw my computer through the cubicle wall or something. Dude, can you imagine Can you imagine Sas- a Sasquatch going through with withdrawals? That would be something worth documenting. It would be bad. We should do that. Just cut him off. Cut him off of caffeine. Cut him off. Yep. Cut him off of caffeine for two weeks and just see what the carnage that happens. We should just in. contact his office and tell him to start making decaf so yeah. he won't know. He won't know he's coming off of caffeine. No, we have, we have Keurig at the office, so you got to make your own copy. Oh, well. We'll get you another way. All right. We'll pinch it off right here. Yeah, remember Frank's on your wings. Your corn on the cob needs to be cooked on the grill with the husk on. And journal um, like you're a hippie like Jeff if you want to document your feelings. Oh, and don't be like JJ. Stop recording, damn it.